Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, a legacy member of the Jittery Monkey Podcast family, proudly associated with the SB Nation Podcast Network. SB Nation, over 310 different uh, websites, communities, uh, all based on your favorite teams. We're happy that you're here with us on Corn Nation and the Five Heart Podcast. My name is Greg Mahachko, joined by uh, the, the other legs of the tripod. Hoss Reuter, John Dam Johnston, and occasional run-ins for my three-year-old who's climbing on things he shouldn't be climbing on. But those are the hazards we have when it's he and I, and it's not quite bedtime. And I do feel bad. i got to get this off my chest right away, John. I'm sorry that we pulled you away from your ice cream cake. You forgot who we were for a moment, didn't you? No. You did, too. You paused there. Now he's old. Who's the old one now, John? Greg. Also. Greg's old. Greg's forgetful old Greg. <laughs> Next thing you know, Greg's going to be wearing Depends. Yeah, how do you know Greg isn't already wearing Depends? But, the gig, guy. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's, a, it's a long day in that truck, and there's work to be done, and you don't always have a have a bathroom handy. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's peeing your, peeing your pants, but nobody knows you're peeing your pants. There's a certain sort of freedom to it. No, there's not, because if you're wearing jeans, I mean, chafing, good I, lord. Which I'm not, but I just want to I just want to uh, pull up a line from the movie Billy Madison. If peeing in your mm-hmm. pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. Gross. <laughs> yes, I was having ice cream cake because today, August 21st, is my rebirthday. Well, happy rebirthday, John. I am four years old, which makes both of you old and crusty. <laughs> as Actually, I, said, I can't legally. I can't argue with that logic. As as I said in the Slack chat room, damn glad to have you. Well, yeah, my children, my, my children were telling uh, stories about uh, when I didn't die, or when I did die but didn't die permanently, and they said that they were going to draw a dick on my forehead because I was the first to fall asleep at the party. <laughs> But hey, then, did you have an ice cream cake? Yes, we did. Instead of a stripper jumping out of the cake, did your kids have PJ Fleck jump out of the cake? No, but it was a football cake. <laughs> okay. With a big four on it and a candle that I had to blow out. Oh, so you're a big Jakeem Green fan, huh? Okay. I'll or be Tommy a fan Armstrong, of Randy Gregory. No. no. I'll go with one of the guy in the middle. That's the guy. I'm gonna no, be he's playing. not really going to be in the middle. He's probably going to be more on the offensive tackles inside shoulder. That's close enough. Yeah, close enough for government work. Clogging enough that I'm just a birdie. Just like, that big, just like that big turd we're going to drop on Iowa, clogging it up. Clogging up Iowa's season. You know, I'm glad you mentioned turd because – turd. That was a, a Eric Chenander. Exactly, that was a term that he threw around a couple of times uh, in in a presser earlier this week. And uh, you it's know, such just a talk- versatile word. It, it just you know, just talking about the the quality of uh, the character in the locker room, and I think the the moral of the story was if you've got a good player, but they're still a turd, then you know, you know, as a veteran, then <laughs> turd as a person, then the younger people are gonna. You know, looking up to him are going to kind of be turds, and I, I think what he was trying to say is they don't really have that issue in Lincoln. Did, did, did I get that right uh, based on on context? Oh, absolutely. And yes. When when you he references older guys who were turds, and then you pair that with Travis Fisher's comments on Sports Nightly a few weeks ago, they're all referencing Antonio Reed. Like Fisher actually called Reed out by name from last season as a guy who he didn't even want in his meeting room. And so when he says that, and then you can, you kind of piece it together if you watch closely enough last season. But then when Fisher says that, and then when Shenander says that, you start to go, okay, I think Reed was one of the malcontents who didn't buy in for a very long time, if ever. 
someone has turned the Alexa on in my office. <sighs> Sorry. Is it playing Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody? Probably not. It's probably playing, uh, I don't know, Chance the Rapper or something like that. I, you know, I, I, I was going to text my wife this earlier in the week, but uh, I had a Whitney Houston song stuck in my head. At, at the time that I was going to text it, it wasn't that. It was, I don't know, it was like one of her love songs, one of her ballads. I'm, I'm sure there are numerous to choose from. I had it in my mind. If if it was at the time, if I would have texted it to her, I'd be able to pull it up and tell you what song it was. But let's move on. Uh, we actually, Yes. Yo, shut up. You know you love Whitney Houston. Preseason ranking? No, we're, we'll get to that, but. We're not going to spend too much time on this, but it was confirmed. There was a, a hype video or, or uh, you know, I, I, I'll call it a hype video uh, that confirmed the alternative uniforms that we spent a lot of time talking about last week. Uh, we spent plenty of time talking about, you know, the, the look and everything. The one thing that I, we couldn't tell from that one leaked image a week ago was that the N on the helmet was going to be black. Uh, it's confirmed in in the, the hype video. Uh, knowing that that is uh, for sure... You know, thing. I mean, I, I know we were ninety-five percent sure of it last week, but uh, you know, just real quick. I mean, do you guys have a a game that you would like to see those uniforms in in place for? Ohio State. Ohio State. That's what I was thinking too. And especially if both teams are coming in undefeated, could be a night game. Um, do you? Th- it's probably going to be an eleven a.m. game. I, I think I'd, pre- about I'd prefer an 11 a.m. game if they're going to wear black because when you're shooting something like that and there's no light coming off, but the exposure is shit at night. You got to find a better word for you to use. You mean shooting photography? Yeah, just every time you say shoot a game, I'm just like. Oh. Okay, you know what? I said that to other photographers. I've said we should find a better term, and they get really upset with me. Because they're like, you know, we've been saying this for years. We don't give a damn what the current climate is. That's other people's problem, not ours. And, I, you know, I kind of, in a way, you can't just constantly be, oh, I can't say this. I can't say that. I, oh, my God. I've offended somebody by saying turd. Did you? Probably the turd lovers or the turd haters. <laughs> People have a poop fetish. I don't know who. Uh, they're, they're German Shiza videos. Thank you. Um, and you forgot, you forgot the rest of his quote. You know, there are two types, floaters or sinkers. I, I did forget the rest of that. And that was uh, yeah. the best part of the quote, I think. Um, so let me ask you this, knowing that regardless of, of the game it is, you know, obviously it's, it's going to be a home game. Cause I think traditionally that's what it's been. I think maybe they only had alternative uniforms for one road game. Do we as a fan base have the I'm trying to think the I'm trying to think of the right word the the <laughs> run in from the from the back of the room uh, do we have the the wherewithal are, are we cognizant enough to pull off an actual blackout at Memorial Stadium no I didn't I didn't think so either that no. would require change. That would require change, and there are so many people, and I'm not even I'm not going to even be one of those ageism people here about it. There are so many people, even my age, who don't recognize that black is a school color. Or they'll get mad, like, when it's cold outside for Husker games, I like to wear a gray hoodie or a gray crew neck Nebraska sweatshirt. Feel That's not, gray is not a school color. It's, like, no, it's complimentary. It's an accent. Um it's never going to happen in Memorial Stadium. Now we're the sea of red. It has to be the sea of red. It can't be the sea of black. I think the student section can go ahead and do a blackout. That way people on TV could go, what's that black thing? Way up in the corner of the stadium. Oh, that's where they <laughs> stick the students because yeah. they hate their own students at Nebraska. That's where they stick the people paying, you know, 9500 10 grand a year. Yeah, God forgive, we we already have shitloads of money that we don't even know what to do with that we have to make even more. God forbid we don't cater to the uh, young and to the next Omaha, the to Omaha the next, crowd, to you know, the, the next, Omaha boosters. To the next generation that uh, isn't going to bother coming to the games because they're going to go, well, screw this. Well, that's the thing. That gets into a whole other conversation about it does. the atmosphere. I mean – I'm a football guy. I love going to games, but as I've gotten older, like to get me into Memorial Stadium, it's got to be a big game. I'm not going to show up for, 
you know, a season opener is a different story. Like we talked about last week on the show, season opener, regardless of who you play, is a big game. But, like, I wouldn't be frothing at the mouth, ready to go to show up for, you know, Nickel State, you know. Or right. North South Carolina. Alabama is the second or third game of the season. Right. You know, it's got to be, it's got to be a big non-con game, you know, or Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa, games like that, you know. It's got to be a big game because the hassle of what you go through just to get into the stadium is just absurd anymore. You know, parking sucks. Uh, concession prices suck. Beers are overpriced downtown, but that's not going to stop me from having, you know, a couple before the game and more than a few afterwards. But it's just outcome. more convenient to watch games on TV. I'm not disagreeing with that. No line for the bathroom. No pissing into a trough with ice in it that doubles as a urinal. No screaming massive profanities at the top of your voice for five minutes straight because your team's 0-6. And, and then people go, what are you doing, guy that swears a lot? Well, I was at that, the Colorado that game actually last happens. year. And when Montez bought, threw that bomb to Chenault for them to go up on us, I, me and my buddy who were at the game, we both let out a string of you know expletives and the person in front of us who was there with his kid, like he didn't say anything directly to us, but he was grousing about, you know, all the F bombs being thrown. It's like, sorry, but this is a football game. I know Nebraska prides itself on a family atmosphere, but F bombs are going to be dropped even when things are going good, you know, just in celebration instead of disgust. What do you expect taking a kid to a football game? I think they expect better by God. Um, so, no, I'm gonna, I'm, that's, that's why I taught my kids repertoire. That's why I taught my kids all the swear words at home by myself so that my wife could look at my kids when they swore and go, well, did you get that from your father? And they could go, yes. And I go, yeah, well, what the hell else did you expect them to get it? Better they learn it there than out on the streets. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we, we mentioned, uh, you know, the word expect or expectation uh, just, you know, a moment ago. The AP poll came out, preseason poll came out uh, earlier this week as well, and Nebraska sits at number 24. Um, some of the notes that I took away from this, uh, they're the only team in the preseason top 25 to have a losing record the previous year, and only the third team to be uh, a preseason top 25 after losing eight games uh, the previous year. That's uh, per Elias Sports Bureau. Um, now, I happen to have Sports Center on. Uh, earlier in the week, when you know the day after these polls were uh, uh, dropped, and ESPN Sports Center anchor Ellie or L Duncan, uh, she quote recoiled a bit at Nebraska being in in, uh, uh, in the top twenty five. Well, let put- me guess, I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts. She's a part of the Northwestern media mafia in sports media. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look up that much. Wait, what's her name? Let, let's find out. You know what? I'm willing. Cause every, we talked about this last year, about how annoyed we got when we were playing Northwestern <laughs> that when they came back from commercial, it was just a litany of ESPN personalities who all paid, you know, 49 grand a year to go to school in Evanston, professing their love for Northwestern. Uh, let's see here. She's from Atlanta. Uh, Ah, oh, she went to the University of West Georgia. Didn't see that one coming. So, um, but anyway, that, that uh, we, we're going to play a couple of clips here for you uh, that were. She's a DUI arrest. I wasn't going to bring that up. I didn't <laughs> really feel it was pertinent. But there's a tab on Wikipedia for her philanthropic efforts. Yeah. Um, okay, that's enough. But anyway, uh, on the. Uh, on the Big Ten bus tour, I think it is, uh, you know, they had uh, Scott Frost on uh, when they were in, in Lincoln, and he was talking about the expectations in, you know, Lincoln coming in at 4-8 and eight and, uh, and being a preseason, you know, top 25 team. And, you know, of course, we'll play the clip for you, but, but the gist of it being that, uh, uh, you know, expectations, I think he says verbatim, expectations have been uh, – too low in Lincoln for too long. So let's play the clip here, and then we'll get your guys' thoughts. 
I hear people worried about expectations for us. I, I don't. I'm not too worried about it. I, I actually think it's good for our football team. Um, I think expectations have been way too low in Lincoln for way too long, and having expectations was just kind of life around here. So uh, I think it helps our guys. We need to be confident. We need to expect a lot out of ourselves, and we're going to play each game one at a time and, and focus on those games anyway. So I don't think it's going to be a, a distraction for our team. Here's my opinion on it. I think the fan base expectations have always remained the same. Um, I knew people last year who were talking about going to the college football playoff in year one of Scott Frost. That's never going to go away. I was the guy who thought Mike Riley could win us a Big Ten championship, for crying out loud. It was wrong there. But I think internally inside the program, meaning the players, the administration, I think that's where the expectations have been low. And for Frost to, you know, put that out there, put it all on the line by saying that, it's representing that this program is walking tall again. We're no longer, you know, handicapping ourselves or engaging in self-sabotage or handcuffing ourselves away from accomplishing what we want to accomplish as a program. You know, we're sticking, you know, walking with our back straight, shoulders back, chest out, chin, you know, in the air, you know. You mean with regards to... The internal people or the, the attitude of the team itself. Yes. You know, and you got to walk tall. I mean, there are studies that show that just having better posture releases more serotonin inside your brain. Is you that know, good? That's good. That's very good. Okay. Uh, so to have that belief and to have that, for lack of a better term, the posturing that we're doing as a program, yeah, we're ready to take the jump in year two. That's where it all starts, the belief, you know. And then if you worked hard throughout the offseason in the weight room, in spring ball, summer conditioning, fall camp, you're ready to take on the year, come what may. I know. I think the uh, from a fan's perspective, the expectations, I don't know. Were they, I, I, I think we confuse optimism with expectations maybe when it came to that guy that was the coach before Scott Frost. Uh, I Did people really that expect that much of him? Mike Riley? Yeah, that guy. You know, a lot of people like to, uh, like to go over his, the failings of his tenure and some people say, oh, I never bought in. A lot of people didn't buy in. But there were also a fair amount of people around here, and Kermit the Frog could be the head coach at Nebraska, and people would still buy in and have high expectations and have optimism. So, yeah, I mean, well, people people were optimistic and had expectations under Mike Riley. I mean, when we were 7-0 going into the Wisconsin game in 16, people were excited around here. People were going on and on about how we hadn't been 7-0 since 01. True. Well, let's talk about the other side of that because, you know, at the same time, you know, relatively speaking, that, uh, you know, the, the poll came out and Frost was saying what he was saying about good expectations. Then you had defensive coordinator Eric Janander saying, you know, that's it, it, fine, but, it, and again, we'll play the clip, but uh, he's pretty much saying that we were four and eight, we haven't done anything. So let's play the clip, let's hear from him and get your guys' take on, on maybe the, uh, opposing viewpoints from from you know the head coach and, and defensive coordinator so here's the clip i think it's, it's cool because of the way the program is perceived it's great because of the way coach frost is perceived um, we haven't done anything yet so i just assumed we weren't ranked um i hope none of those guys think that they made it because we certainly haven't like we said last time we're, we're a four and eight football team until we get in the season so um ranking 24th don't mean don't mean deadly to me you know, you can, on one hand, you can have high expectations while being in full recognizance of having gone four and eight for two years in a row. Um, four and eight in 2017 was drastically different than four and eight in 2018, even including an 0 and 6 start. I don't think anybody uh, will finish that. We finished the year stronger. But, like, in terms of having high expectations, what's a team supposed to do when they're full, coming off back to back four and eight seasons? Put in all that hard work over the offseason and sit there and go, well, don't expect much from us. I mean, we went 4-8 and eight last year. 
I'm not disagreeing with Eric Chenander. I'm actually agreeing 100% with him. Like, we haven't done anything. But it goes back to it starts with the belief. And and that's the best way to rationalize it. It's just, would there, maybe not would there, should there be a more, I don't know, uniform response from from the entire coaching staff about, you know, because I, th- I feel like both coaches were asked a similar question. And we got... Well, I bet... I bet. Chenander's in lockstep agreement with what Frost says, but I also think Chenander, you know, is using that as motivation to get through to guys. Coaches use the media all the time as a conduit to get through to players. Saban's probably the best at it. And so, you know, he's probably saying, like, hey, guys, you know, it's great that we have these expectations. Like, if you're going to play a competitive sport or you're just going to be a competitor in general, you have to have an expectation for yourself. But you also have to remember, you can't rest on your laurels just because we're being picked to win the West Division or we're 6-1 to odds to be the Big Ten champion. Can't rest on that laurel because here's the thing. We haven't done jack shit yet. We haven't played a single game. His defense was 107th in the nation in giving up yards per carry. Mm -hmm. Okay? He's a 4-8 and coach at this point. Exactly. he you has gotta, to gotta keep he, the nose to the grindstone. If you if you didn't want your coaching staff to all say the same thing, then you do what Alabama does, where Nick Saban is the only one that gets to talk to the media, and he barely does that. But apparently, they don't do that at Nebraska, where they have coordinators available, because otherwise Lee Barfneck would come back and scream at him and stuff. But you know. He, the defense has to, has to be much better this season for us to have a great season. So you it can't will. let him sit. Plus, plus, what was it? About uh, three, four days ago, I posted on our Slack room a study that was done. And that study basically said that coaches that were negative with their teams at a halftime of a game, those teams performed better when they went out for the second half. So... I get that we live in this culture where you go, oh, we got to have everybody's self-esteem and we have to be all praise and we can't be negative. That's a load of crap. Well, here's the thing. Just like in anything, any interpersonal dealing, you praise publicly and you criticize privately. Is that how it goes? Yeah. You You don't hang someone out to dry. You know, you praise publicly, criticize negatively behind closed doors and... That's the way it goes. I, I I think it's nice to have, you know, the, both those messages operating in tandem with one another. Anything, this is going to sound stupid and short-sighted, but uh, obviously after the break we're going to uh, preview a couple of uh, November games that Nebraska has, but was there anything really newsworthy uh, uh, that, that popped out, you know, from, from the last week? No, it's not prior. It's not public knowledge, but a little bird told me that Cam Jurgens is back to practicing full contact. I That'd be good. Did not oh, hear yeah. that. Oh, I Devastating also. Devastating blocker. We need him. T- tell you what, I I heard this little tidbit, uh, and this is more rumor and innuendo, um, probably than than fact, unless either of you can confirm it, but. Uh, True freshman, home state boy Garrett Nelson from Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, is going to see a lot of playing time this fall. What do, what do you guys? Yes, he will. What what what's your uh, takeaway on that? He's going to be a holy terror coming off the edge. He's the yeah. kind of pass rusher that we need. And uh, I mean, I, uh, expl- he- explain that for for someone who you know may not have watched any of his film or. Or, you know, been following. Well, he's got the build. First off, he's got the build and he's got the athleticism. He's a state heavyweight champion wrestler. So he understands, you know, body positioning and how to use leverage and, you know, drop and flip his hips. And Tom Lemming, who covers recruiting, said if the kid was from Denver or even Omaha, he would have been a five star because he dominated the competition out in Scott's Bluff like you would expect a five star football player to do. I just like to say it. I, I love when you say flip your hips. <laughs> I don't know why. Just 
Hips, hips are important for a lot of things. Run blocking, pass blocking, rushing the quarterback. And, and uh, the truth. Engaging in various things with a woman, you know. And the truth, because as we all know, hips don't lie. Exactly. Shakira was spot on. <laughs> uh, a friend of the show, Josh, was the one who uh, tipped me off about Nelson. Uh, he sent me a long message that says, uh, Garrett Nelson's going to play. He obviously did a copy-paste job. Up. No offense, Josh. He says, the freshman from Scott's Bluff has been a quick study, according to outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator uh, Javon DeWitt, and we'll see time both on defense and Nebraska's special teams. DeWitt said Nelson sets a big edge on defense and has learned NU scheme quickly, and there's been no shortage of enthusiasm. This is my favorite quote because this is five hard all the way. Uh, DeWitt says, quote, sometimes I have to tell guys, whoa, and sometimes I have to tell them to giddy up. I don't know if I've ever had to tell Garrett to giddy up, end quote. Yeah, you always if you had if you have to pick, you always want to have to rein guys back in instead oh, of spur them on. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. You know, I bet Garrett Nelson growing up out in Scotts Bluff, he probably hates the Colorado Buffaloes. So I'm going to really look forward to that first third and long against the Buffs <laughs> when he's getting after Stephen Montez and hurrying him into a throw. Hopefully, that throw goes into the waiting arms of Lamar Jackson or. Colorado native Jojo Doman and pick six it and the route is on. <laughs> and and you won't be able to miss him because uh, last I saw, at least in some of these, you know, that blonde uh, mullet, I was going to say he's got the golden locks of Thor. Uh, he looks like he's, he looks like he's the love child of Brian Bosworth and Ric Flair. Woo. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick before we go to break, uh, one of the other big items out of the big 10 uh, and it's something that Nebraska is going to have to, you know, potentially deal with in week five is Justin Fields was named the starter at Ohio State. Of course, he's the transfer who I think saw 37 minutes or 37, 38 snaps or something like that at Georgia, uh, but did not win, uh, the, the starting spot in, in declared his intent to enter the transfer portal after, uh, Georgia's bowl game last year. Uh, so he went to Columbus, named the starter. I looked up, you know, why, he, because usually you're supposed to wait, you know, you have to wait a year after, you know, when, when you transfer, you had a city year. Um, and, of course, players can appeal that. And so I, I found this interesting uh, because at, at first I got to thinking, well, it's just typical, you know, Ohio State favoritism because I remember there's a story of a kid from Illinois, uh, a lineman whose name you probably wouldn't know, who was playing down south in the SEC, I believe, or maybe ACC and transfer back to Champaign um, because his grandma was sick or, you know, a family issue like that and just wanted to be close to family. And his he lost his appeal. He's, he's going to have to sit out this season. Uh, so I looked up, did a little digging as to why Fields, you know, aside from leaving, you know, or not winning the starting spot from Jake Fromm uh, at Georgia, why he, um, you know, would have left Georgia and, Come to find out that, uh, and this is from USA Today back in February, uh, that uh, Fields, uh, who is a Georgia native, was the target of racially bigoted comments by a Georgia baseball player uh, during a September 29th win against Tennessee. Uh, the baseball player was dismissed from the team, but that was a key part of Fields' waiver request based on the NCAA's new rule that allows immediate eligibility for transfers based on, quote, mitigating circumstances that are outside the student-athlete's control and directly impact the health, safety, and well-being of the student-athlete, end quote. So I, I was, at first, you know, I went into the story, you know, with my typical anti-Ohio State bias, um, but, I mean, that's just shitty all around, and, and no nobody, period, college athlete or, or not, should have to, to put up with that. Um, so. It's also a load of shit. It's a load of shit, Okay. Because you look at Michigan had a, a guy named James Hudson who said that he suffered from depression while at Michigan. He transferred to Cincinnati. He is not eligible for this season. So apparently uh, one mitigating circumstance is not equal to another mitigating circumstance. Okay, so I, I'm glad you specified. I didn't know what it's, you were it's, It still doesn't. It's because it's Ohio State and any other team, Cincinnati. Well, okay? I, I, I was wondering what part you were saying was, was shit if, if it was the – if it was the uh, uh, alleged comments or or the or the NCAA rule, so I'm glad you clarified. 
A, the NCAA will take any chance it has to make itself look good, no matter what happens. And number two, they're still about the money. Okay, this is still a basically like professional football. It's just not the players are not paid. Or they're compensated with uh, scholarship stuff and things like that, but they're not paid. So why did James Hudson get denied? You know, Jim Harbaugh kind of made some rumblings about he thought that James Hudson was lying. Well, you don't get a lie about somebody saying they were depression or suffering from depression. Okay. It's just, I, it's a load of crap. That, and I, I trust the NCAA's judgment on this is as far as you can throw them. I don't know, John, you're pretty swollen. You could probably throw them pretty far. <laughs> with my got, mind. I bet if you got into a fight with Mark Emmert, my money would be on you, Chief. <laughs> my money would be on me, too. You know, here's the thing. A little bit of consistency would go a long damn way with the NCAA. Yeah, it would be. It would. I mean, it wouldn't be, you know, what's the old joke? You know, Ohio State had uh, infractions, so we're going to have to declare Nichols State ineligible for five years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the old, And that's how it goes. That's always what it's been. You know, it would be an absolute nightmare. Well, it's not the NCAA, but. Ohio State reminds me a lot of Texas in terms of their arrogance and in terms of how they throw around their political capital and weight. And what a nightmare that would be to get, you know, screwed out of a win against Ohio State due to similar officiating, as we have seen what happened to us against Texas on a few occasions. Well, it and, you know, while we're talking about Ohio State and transfers, then there was the news that uh, Tate Martell left Ohio State when Justin Fields came in, went to Miami, and couldn't win the starting spot there. So now I, I hear he's taking some reps at wide receiver. So uh, things are working out really well for him. Um, but at this point, uh, guys, if it's all right with you, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll preview a couple of our uh, opponents uh, in November, and then we'll get the hell out of here because, by God, it's, it's another Wednesday night and Yellowstone's on at 9, and we're not going to keep Hoss from that. No. Two more episodes. Then we won't have to put up with this bullshit anymore. All right, we'll be back after this. Fuck off. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast, the only Husker podcast you really need. You might want others, but we're really the only ones you need. Take that, BRC. (laughs) Um, Our friends at the BRC. It's cool. Um, So we have, and, and I was actually looking at the schedule. It's weird that there are... Two bye weeks uh, this season, and they're not really far apart. Uh, you know, last week we covered, uh, th- you know, the three games in October: uh, Northwestern, Minnesota, and Indiana. With the bye week being uh, October nineteenth, and then there's a bye week on November 9th as well. So uh, the games that we're going to be talking about this week are uh, November second at Purdue, and two weeks after that, November sixteenth. Uh, based on math and me looking at the schedule, uh, the home matchup the Perhaps could potentially uh, decide the West, and that's Wisconsin. Uh, so let's start with Purdue. And, and John, I'm going to start with you because just uh, recently uh, you were able to talk with uh, one of our Hammer and Rails uh, uh, associates, Travis Miller. And, and Travis is a, a good, good conversation. We've had him on the Five Heart Podcast before. Um, but and and Haas chime in any time as well because uh, uh, they're doing some good things there in West Lafayette and and it's not the Purdue of old that uh, you know used to be near the bottom of the Big Ten. I think it's uh, the thing that he said that got me was that Jeff Brom has greatly increased increased recruiting. You know the his success in recruiting has gone way up. Uh, the other thing is, is they they actually act like they're putting money and effort into their football program from an athletics department perspective. So, I you know the Big Ten West has been the butt of many jokes, and I I think that it's you know the teams are getting better, maybe with the exception of Illinois, but who knows what they can do this year? Maybe they can make a bowl game. Uh, I you know it sounds like Purdue has gobs and gobs of players that. Uh, they're going to be young and they're going to, you know, they have to replace a lot of the team from last year. So Rondale Moore still, you know, an explosive threat, but what else is going to happen 
up in there. We'll see what happens. And Haas, I know that you are a big fan of Jeff Brom, uh, and I am. and really would have liked to have seen him take that Louisville job. <laughs> actually, you know, actually, I was kind of happy that he didn't. I think it's good for the competitive balance between the West and the East. And uh, I'm banking on Frost here at Nebraska, you know, always staying out in front of Brom and Purdue, but. Uh, my biggest fear would still be that Brom turns Purdue into some Bryles era Baylor of the Big Ten West. Uh, the guy's a hell of a coach. Um, probably, he's probably my third favorite coach in the country. You know, top three is Frost, Gary Patterson, and Jeff Brom. Um, they got to replace the quarterback, David Blau, who's now at the Browns, but they have Elijah Sindelar, who played a lot of games for him in 2017 and to start you know, in 2018 before they settled back on Blau. And they have always have dudes on defense. But I fully anticipate the Nebraska-Purdue game to be like the UCF-Memphis game in 2017. 62-55 kind of shootout. That's always good for the heart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a young, I'm a young man, and uh, I don't have high blood pressure, and I already think that's bad for the heart. Do you think that – this will be the first of – correct me if I'm wrong. Rondale Moore is a sophomore, a true sophomore, not a redshirt sophomore, right? I mean, he came in, played last true year. True soft. Okay. True soft. So this could be the first of <laughs> three, but let's face it, more likely two matchups in the Rondale versus Wandale, you, you know, series. And, and uh, mm. because it, if Rondale Moore – continues to play at the level that he played last year, he's not going to be around his senior year. Uh, and Wandell Robinson, we're, we're just super excited to see what, what he can bring uh, to the live football field. So you have two of the more, I think, sought-after you know recruits coming out of high school, two of the more dynamic playmakers. And, and we're just talking about you know receivers. I'm, I'm not even mentioning Adrian Martinez at this point. However, you know he's clearly going to be a factor uh perhaps well i mean he's going to be a factor i I didn't know how to clean up that thought so we'll just leave it at that i'm sorry you cut out at what part (laughs) there at the end where it got to the final part now there's no i was just going to say that uh, adrian martinez is going to be a factor uh but it's going to be really fun to watch rondale and wandale uh on on you know, they're opposite sides of the ball, respectively. Oh, absolutely. You know, and we actually did a pretty good job containing Rondale Moore until late in the game last year. He got loose a couple of times and got pretty down into the red zone into scoring position against us. But by and large, I think that you're going to see similar production from Wandale Robinson as well. And then Adrian Martinez will just steal the entire fucking show. Well, that's the hope. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a, a sorry, for, sorry for that cutting out earlier. I would probably would have had a better response. Well, that's all right, sweetheart. It's, it's all good. <laughs> um, but this is a Purdue team that, uh, you know, really stuck it to Ohio state uh, on, on the grand sta- uh, stage and lost to Eastern Michigan. So y- you're not really ever sure. I mean, they beat Iowa, got blown out by Minnesota. You're not real sure what. Purdue team you're going to get, but hey, they're working on getting a, a new scoreboard and some permanent uh, lights set up, uh, so they're, they're making steps to uh, being a big league uh, pro or not, but big league uh, you know, power five team and program. Um, you know, it's just I don't know. It, it's tough for me to think of Purdue as anything but and this is just my own personal bias. I get it. They're better now than they have been. You know, they're better last year than we were. Um, but uh, uh, it's just tough for me to, to take them seriously. And especially, correct me if I'm wrong, Haas, but didn't they lose Lorenzo Neal to an injury? Yeah, he's injured. Yeah. He's out for the time being. I doubt he'll be out by November 2nd. You know. See, I heard that but. he was lost for the season. Ooh. Well, he, he might take a redshirt year. Yeah, because he played as a true freshman in 16, so he still has a redshirt year available. Oh, fine. 
Man, if he's back on November 2nd, Cam Jurgens against Lorraine, you know, that's going to be worth the price of admission alone right there. Well, remember this. You can still play him four games and take a redshirt season. So if Nebraska comes to town and they're ranked and they're doing well and you have Lorenzo Neal, who's 90%, you're going to go, hey, Lorenzo, you want to play in this game and still be a redshirt? I think you're doing that. Tanner Farmer, because the Purdue game last year is when Cole Conrad got hurt and Tanner Farmer slid over to the center spot and played there the rest of the year. Farmer actually did a pretty good job against Lorenzo Neal. I mean, the dude's a game wrecker, but Farmer held his own. I'd like to see what a guy like Juergens could do against him. You, you guys remember when John Gruden did Monday Night Football? Yes. Remember how he'd always be like, let me tell you what, man, I love this guy. Yes. You know, that whole thing. That's me with Lorenzo Neal Jr. Every time Purdue gets brought up or they're on TV and I'm watching college football with my buddies on a Saturday, I'm always like, let me tell you what, guys, Lorenzo Neal Jr., I love this guy, man. Well, let, let's let's bring his name back in the mix. Travis Miller, Just uh, I, I, it's their countdown over at hammerandrails.com. And from today, uh, you know, he was highlighting Neal and uh, saying that coming off an ACL tear, uh, it hasn't practiced at all yet and has been ruled out for the opener at Nevada. Um, they expect him, you know, when he does come back, you know, that Purdue might be getting its best defender back. So um, looking at what he did last year, 30 tackles, three for a loss and a sack. He had 22 tackles, five and a half uh, for a loss and two sacks in 2017. Um, and, and as a freshman, was just doing some good things uh, as well. So like you said, you know, there, there's the possibility. I don't there There's talk of him being a first-round NFL dra- uh, draft pick. So it, it's hard I, I can't see him, you know, wanting to stay in college any more than he has to. I, I, I don't know if that if I'm, you know, expressing that thought the right way, but uh, you know, like to what to John said, you know, he can play in up to four games and and still redshirt. Um, but I, I think if, if he's ready to go, and especially if he's you know back in in the mix by November, then we won't have to worry about Lorenzo Neal Jr. next year. Um, so we're, we're not to the prediction stages yet. We'll do that in November. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about our other, uh, opponent that we're going to discuss this week. And that's the home game. What, uh, many people are considering one of the biggest games on the schedule because it seems like, well, I feel like it's been a long time since one's gone Nebraska's way after a bye week again in November, which I, I guess we'll take, uh, Memorial Stadium is going to fill up with scarlet and cream, the sea of red, because we can't figure out how to do a blackout. And Wisconsin comes to town, and uh, they're without Alex Hornibrook. They still have Jonathan Taylor and an offensive line that churns out pro talent all the time. Uh, Haas, we don't like – I mean, we we respect Wisconsin. We just don't like them. No, we hate them. Wow! I hate it because of the horrible things they've done to us. <laughs> they have. We haven't beaten them since the iPhone four was the newest phone on the fucking market. Ow! That's okay. That's perspective. Yeah, that really puts it in perspective. Wait, wait, wait! You know? I'm trying to think of what year that was because I have an iPhone six. 2012. So you're living back in 2014 with that six, there, Greg. You know what? I'll, I'll take that, and I'll say I'll tell you why. Yeah, well, I wouldn't because that was the Melvin Gordon year. No, 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 not the year, but I mean the phone because it's still holding up. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm living over here in 2019 with an iPhone 10. Well, look at you swinging that big wad of cash. It, well, you know that's the nice part about being on the plan where you can get an iPhone every year, iPhone forever, or whatever the hell it's called. Um, wait, 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 wait. Anyways. A little shout out to your uh, uh, provider. What, what plan is that? Sprint, even though their coverage sucks. Oh. Even in my town of Omaha. Wow. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin. They, replaced, they have to replace <laughs> four out of five starters on the offensive line. They lost Alec Ingold, their fullback. He was a draft pick by the Raiders. And Jonathan Taylor's still there. And I'm pretty sure Ryan Connolly is still playing linebacker for him. Andrew Van Ginkle's graduated, though. I think he's with the Miami Dolphins, I want to say. We've got to beat these guys. 
What well, do we know about their quarterbacks? Uh, it's either Jack Cohn, who is a sophomore who played in relief of Hornybrook last year, or it's a true freshman. I forget his first name, but his last name is Mertz. Graham, Graham Mertz, 6'3", 216 pounds. Probably the most talented quarterback to wear the red W since Russell Wilson made the graduate transfer market a very real thing in college football. Thanks, Husker Mike and Coronation.com. Sorry. Uh, that, that's a hell of a thing to say about a true freshman, though. I mean, you know, but when you think about it, who have they really had since then? I mean, since Russell Wilson, they trotted out, you know, Joel Stave, Scott Phillips, Tanner McAvoy. Um, that's Bart not a high bump. I mean, yeah, it's not exactly a hotbed of talent up there in Madison at the quarterback position. Well, let's, but we need. We need to beat these guys. I, I think it would – I mean, some people might groan, you know, when I make this comparison, but it's like losing to OU, you know, six times in a row. Like, when you finally get over on them, it's a big fucking deal. And we need to get over on Wisconsin. I think that that would be probably a bigger springboard for this program than laying a big beat down on Iowa. And – well, Iowa's kind of a personal game with me, beating Wisconsin would just be huge. I mean, that that would really, really show that the growth is for real. Because this is a team that has taken us to the woodshed time and again. When we've been favored over them, when they've been favored, you know, we've lost small to them. We've lost medium, you know, like 38-17, 41-24. We've lost big. You know, 70 to 31 really doesn't need to be even mentioned. It's just there. We've got to beat these guys. Well, the alternative is they keep beating us, and we're not going anywhere if that happens. No. I mean, people, like, we can all cluck our tongues collectively. What a boring brand of football they have. Paul Chris is not a dynamic, you know, coach. They don't recruit as well as we do. They don't emphasize football in Madison like it is, like it's emphasized in Lincoln. But until we get over on them, they're still the king of the hill in the West Division. It, I if, if anyone on that team is not ready to strap it up and front up with the Badgers on November 16th, turn in your helmet and shoulder pads. Well, let's talk just a little bit. Uh, I mean, I, I would like to spend more time talking about Jonathan Taylor, but I, th- I think I want to go more big picture here, more macro. Uh, I feel like Wisconsin and Iowa are very similar in that the, their style of football, except that Wisconsin does it better. Um, Iowa can do it efficiently, but it's all about kind of keeping your offense off the field. And I wonder how you know in in the in the fast you know fast pace up tempo offense of Scott Frost how that's going to work. Score really score often. Right, it's a it's, it, it's a clash of styles. But if you know if, if you miss a scoring opportunity and they have the ball for the next eight or ten minutes and they put it in the end zone, that's very difficult to overcome because I feel like Nebraska's not built to play that. I mean, I, I, the biggest thing obviously is just going to be getting off the field on you know third and fourth down, which has not necessarily been easy for nebraska at the time but at the same time you've got well you know bringing it back to taylor you've got a got a running back who averages over seven yards a carry and he's going to be a a junior and he's already rushed for an ncaa record over 4100 yards in two years i mean this is probably going to be his last year so that's a plus um, but he's he might be pushing for uh, for a trip to New York in, in a Heisman campaign. So you don't know, but he's he's got the talent to do it, and he's done it to Nebraska in the past. Uh, so well, that's why my game plan against them would be just to come out, foot on the gas, score early, score often, build a lead, and take away the pillar of that entire program, their running game. Make them force them into a point where they cannot run the football. All right. Yeah, I mean, just just because of the fact that they're not going to be able to keep up, you know. Remember what they did in Minnesota last year? Jumping out to a big lead, they made it, they narrowed the gap, you know, to start the second half. Then we put our foot on the throttle to end the game. 
53-28, that'd be the kind of game we need to play against Wisconsin. And I mean, it'd be great to blow out Wisconsin, but at this point, I'd settle for a one-point win. Well, this is this is where we hope that all the off-season strength and conditioning pays off. Because at this point, our defense, let's just take the same defense from last year. It, it goes back to Eric Trenander earlier. They're still a 4-18. they got to be able to stop the run. They can't be pushed around this season. We're going to see if, you know what, we're going to see if that's true early on in the season when they play Ohio State. I don't think, you know, South Alabama isn't going to offer a huge challenge. I don't think Ohio State's run game. Ohio State's run game won't even be in the top probably three or four run games we see all year. Yeah, but their lines are always good. Their not lines the are always good. They, they might not have a Bosa anymore, but their defensive line is it's their Ohio State for crying out loud. And we can't you can't really say negative things about them until you get a little bit up the ladder, I think. Maybe they've I'm fallen saying, down. I'm not saying anything negative about you them. You are. Saying, Don't make I'm just me saying come that up. it's it, it, – <laughs> The run game is not emphasized as much in their offense under Ryan Day as it was when Urban Meyer and Tom Herman were calling plays in Columbus. You know, Ryan Day, yeah. you know, he likes a little bit more of the drop back passing. It's not out of the, up from under center, but out of the gun. It's still spread offense. He has his roots with Chip Kelly, just like Frost does, but it's more quarterback centric. And quarterback run game, it might change with fields, but it's not as big of a point of emphasis as it was at Ohio State with J.T. Barrett at Braxton at the quarterback position. I'd probably go. say I'd probably say they'll be the fourth best run game. We'll see in the conference. Uh, Wisconsin, Iowa. You know, I'd probably you know I'd probably slide them into third. Actually, while well, I think about it, better than Minnesota. Yeah, because Minnesota is a little bit more RPO centric. They like to get the ball on the edges to their skill guys in the slot. Northwestern just doubles together whatever they can to beat you on any given week, <laughs> and then their game plan is entirely different the next week, the next week. All those nerds sitting in the lab devising new strategies. They are engineering um, ways to beat you. Purdue. The funny thing is about. Purdue, at their core, they want to run the ball out of the spread, but they've had just such good receivers and good tight ends the past few years and a good trigger man in Blau that they just, you know, throw screens and crossing routes and run sweeps. And then Colorado, I mean, for fuck's sake, we held Colorado to like 44 rushing yards last year. So they're pretty far down the list of run games. Indiana. Let's throw them in the Illinois. Mix. Illinois' run game will be the fourth best that we see. They still have Reggie Corbin. Indiana, like they're kind of like Northwestern. Like, what do you exactly do here? Yeah, and, and as we talked last week, we're so unfamiliar with Indiana. It's like it's a crapshoot, you know. It, it, yeah. Well, by the time we get there in October, we'll know a little bit more about them. But right now, it's end of August. We got two months to worry about Indiana. Indiana and Rutgers are those two teams in the Big Ten that when I see them on TV, I just have zero interest in watching them. I actually probably have a little bit more interest in watching Rutgers just to see how much of a dumpster fire they are. Those poor bastards. Yep. I hope that Chris Ash gets released from that prison this year. (laughs) Prison, you ain't kidding Wait, every time you see, every time you see him, having to live in Jersey. Yeah, every time you see him, it looks like he's gonna weep. The season starts this Saturday. Yeah, Florida and Miami playing in Orlando in August. That's gonna be a swamp ass advisory day. <laughs> right. Uh, but surprised that game's not sponsored by Gold Bond. Well, the, the it, and we talked about this last week with game day being in the Magic Kingdom and nobody being you know kind of allowed to hang out and i don't know if the wazoo uh, flag is gonna make it or not but uh, you'd like to think that somebody would plant it somewhere uh that, that's a nice game day tradition that's been going on since almost the beginning um they're t- calling it technically week zero uh th- this is i mean this is important stuff it's it's miami it's the university of miami uh take that ohio state it's florida 
And uh, Haas, you're going to be chomping at the bit, no pun intended, uh, to uh, just watch some college ball, right? Oh, yeah. Except I'm probably going to be sitting there like a junkie needing to fix a watch in his own damn team. I'm not. I'm going to watch for the fights. <laughs> and with Miami, there's probably going to be some. Uh, well, you know, Florida is probably, what are they ranked? They're ranked eighth. Yeah. Well, you know, if Miami starts getting beat up too much, they're just going to resort to fighting. They beat the brakes off of Michigan in the bowl game. Yeah, well, that was after Ohio State stunned the shit out of them, putting up 62 points on the nation's best defense. So that wasn't that surprising. I mean, they really got the life sucked out of them. That was a horrible offensive game planned by Harbaugh. The wheels came off for Michigan's defense. That's for damn sure. Is this? Yeah, I really, I really don't. Uh, I don't know about Michigan. I mean, I talked to Ramsey for a while. You know, interviewed Ramsey Norizrala of Eleven Warriors, and he really made some good points about Harbaugh and Michigan. And uh, it really kind of altered my perspective about whether Harbaugh was going to be a breakthrough coach this year. And uh, I, you know, I'd like to talk to somebody at Michigan about, you know, what do you really think of Harbaugh? Is he going to be able to pull through and? and get their opinion on it. But we'll see what happens. You can check that podcast out. He burns people out. College kids don't like his shtick, and grown-ass men in the NFL just think he's a dork. Well, he is kind of a dork. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, props that Bo Schembechler's like his idol in coaching, but it's kind of weird how he tries to dress exactly like Bo Schembechler on the sideline. Why are you saying that? would be like if Scott, Scott Frost is wearing 90s era Nebraska hat and Dockers, an Apex brand Nebraska polo. No, no, Those no, red no. pants that want, Osborne used to wear. I want Scott Frost in the those red are pants. Pretty, those are pretty baller. See? See? Um, guys, I, I, don't, I don't really have anything else. I mean, we've ran through all the topics that I had prepared. Anything else that you all wanted to uh, discuss or, or touch on before we got the heck out of here? I just wanted to bring up what a Colorado fan told me yesterday about the time that old Skippy Neuheisel got charged and almost choked out by one of his own players in Boulder back in 97. Chris Nioli, the All-American offensive guard, had enough of uh, the hippie Skippy routine from Neuheisel. He sounded like, the way it was described to me, Neuheisel sounded like a Mike Riley, very light on the discipline. Well, I, years ago, I reviewed a book called Scoreboard Baby, and it was about, I believe, News Eisel's time at Washington. And, you know, when you're disciplining a team, you have to treat everybody equal. It's got to be consistent. Yeah, you got to be consistent. And the, you got to be an equal opportunity motherfucker. Uh, the book went along about how New Heisel allowed players that were star players to get away with, well, honestly, to get away with stuff they never would get away with today uh, with regards to, I think it was sexual assaults, but, uh, you know, there was this thing about when New Heisel left Colorado that when he went to Washington, he was going to be a different coach and he'd learned his lessons and he went on to do the same shit at Washington, so he failed there too. There you go. That's all I got. All right. Yeah, that's all I got, too. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, And if you haven't made a decision yet on the podcast app, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, and, of course, Megaphone, which you can uh, check out right there uh, on coordination.com as well. Uh, make sure you uh, check out the other podcasts that we have on this particular, we're calling it Coordination Radio. There's uh, the aforementioned John's Post-Life Crisis, and happy fourth birthday to John. And uh, then there's of Bangarangs and Daggers, and get all of your Nebraska ball updates with Nate McHugh and Patrick Gerhart. And uh, uh, they actually had, uh, Nate had a conversation just this past week uh, it dropped with uh, Chris. Uh, I'm gonna butcher the last name. I'm not. I'm gonna have to look it up. But uh, uh, the individual who used to do the sights and sounds for University of Nebraska and, and and some of the hype videos and the in in uh, like the in game atmosphere stuff for uh, Chris Pankinen, uh, if, if that's a name that's familiar with you all. So check that out. Uh, he he was doing the uh, PBA audio and and I, guess, I think maybe video for. Uh, basketball and I think volleyball as well. So 
check out that. You can. You don't have to take my word for it. Listen to the episode, and uh, you'll get filled in on all the goodies there. Uh, so that's it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. For myself, Greg Mahachko, and uh, my friends and podcast buddies, Hoss Reuter and John Dam Johnston, we remind you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red! Win the damn offseason. Or what's left of it. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.